How's it going, everybody? It's Chris Adams at uh, Beyond the Blind Podcast, BTBN on iTunes. If you're listening to this, I guess I don't need to tell you uh, where to find it on iTunes. But uh, search BTBN on Facebook, Instagram, all that fancy stuff. So that way you can check us out. I'm doing the uh, duck call giveaway still on uh, that African Blackwood and... um, what I don't know why I can't think of it. It's my favorite combo. Uh, <laughs> Buckeye bro. Yeah, Buckeye bro. Dude, it's been a long, long weekend. The kids have been driving me crazy. Uh, thanks for the assist to uh, Mr. Jace Porter. We have him on the line today. Uh, Porter Game Calls out of – where at in Tennessee are you from, brother? Uh, South Fulton, Tennessee now. South Fulton. You, I know you're right around the Real Foot area, weren't you? Yeah, I'm about 30 minutes away. Uh, I used to live 20 minutes away, but we moved further east. So we moved from 20 to 30, so that additional yep. 10 minutes. Well, now I'm closer to Kentucky Lake, which is the Tennessee River. I'm an hour away from there now, which we like to go up there during the summer and fish and hang out. Dude, that whole little area is so wild. It uh, Going over that real foot area, it's just you go from... You know, I don't know. It's just weird because I live in the Ozark Mountains, man. It's uh, and then you, you know, you get north of Kansas City, everything's got like rolling hills and corn, and then you get over to southeast Missouri, and everything starts to flatten out, and then you get like nothing but cotton. And every time I've been over by the Real Foot area, it's like all this crazy cotton everywhere, and um, beans, and then corn. So just weird for all that flatland when I've lived around hills my whole life. Oh, yeah. Then you um, come to Ripwood, there's a bluff area, too. So you get up, like in Hickman World with Mississippi River, you can get up on top of the uh, the bluff and look over the river. So there's yeah, there's a lot of hill ground through here, too. Not like mountain hills, but, you know, through uh, when you go through the bottom there at Ripwood and come into Kentucky or like coming back toward where I live. You actually come up the bluff, and it gets uh, it's pretty neat. It's wild, man. And you guys have those big, huge monster cypress trees, which, you know, just 200 miles away over here to the west, we, we've I haven't ever seen a cypress tree until I went out that direction or went south. When I lived in Mississippi, yeah. you'd run into them more. But we don't have cypress trees in this area of the state, so it was really cool the first time I ever went out there. Yeah, they're, uh, they're plentiful around real foot. They will drop a lower unit in the lake if you're not careful. Yeah, I can imagine. It's a really shallow lake, isn't it? Yeah, it's very shallow. There's some channels and stuff to run, but a couple years ago, that may have been five years ago now, it got so low where you could go out there and really mark a lot of stumps because it looked like you could jump from stump to stump just walking out there. That's how low it was. Man, and do guys take big old mud motor like mud motors and stuff out on that? Yeah, I got a one of the guy the guys out there. He's got dual mud motors on a boat. But then I've seen people out there with like two hundred, you know, outboards rolling on freaking yeah. little shallow water like that. Well, they got they're in the channels. Oh, okay. They run. They run the the, the guys out to the blinds in these big boats, and they get in smaller boat with mud motors get that back to the holes but yeah i've seen them come across there and i just like kind of idle because i don't know it very well when i go and then there are people come just rolling 
especially right there kind of by South Shore and Blue Bank where the call makers and stuff meet up during real foot. Yeah. And then they come and they roll. It's crazy. Dude, it's nuts. Like, uh, see, I hunt around uh, Missouri. You have Stockton Lake and then you have Truman Lake. And most people from Missouri know Truman Lake is like the duck hunting lake. And that's a really, really good public water area. And we're very, very blessed in Missouri to have a ton of public hunting opportunities. I mean, I live in uh, Nixa, just south of Springfield, and there's a lake. I think there's six lakes within like an hour and a half drive. And they'll have, you know, hunting opportunities on them. So you just... And I mean like big lakes, not like the little uh, city pond, city lakes for water and stuff like that. But uh, we're we're super blessed to have that in this part of this, in this area of the state. But um, man, they're they're a lot deeper, and you hear somebody every year out at Truman that's just running, you know, big O outboards and hauling butt across freaking Truman. And it's a big lake, and uh, it starts catching, you know, two to three foot off of you know 13 14 mile an hour winds and it's just it gets real sketchy real quick i was in the navy and i uh they taught us that cold water and you do not mix <laughs> like if you yeah. fall overboard in a ship you're gonna probably die so i love swimming i grew up around the lakes but you i'm not getting in a boat on big open water in the winter time mm-hmm. that rifle can get sketchy too when it the wing gets out of the right you know area if it's coming out of the north and you're on the very south side of the lake or vice versa it gets uh it could get pretty hairy pretty quick out there yeah you catch one of those freaking stumps man and it's game over mm-hmm. so you grew up are you from fulton is that like where you've lived your whole life no i lived in woodland mills my whole life it's uh it's kind of the outskirts of union city um but it's kind of just a little pretty much two neighborhoods it's kind of with the mills, and there's some bunch of you know farmland around through there. But that's where I grew up. Right and on. Then, uh, moved. Me and my wife got married, and I moved, moved, and then we moved back out there to that same house. And then uh, we've recently moved to South Fulton. About I'd say five years ago. So now I'm in my second house in South Fulton because we'd like to uh, three year itch like to buy and sell remodel and oh you guys three years. do you like buy one flip it like turn it up i know you do a lot of uh like i always see you doing bathroom granite all that type of stuff um so do you like flipping houses and stuff like that yeah that's what i used to do um before i went back to work at lowe's i flipped houses i probably flipped 11 or 12 i would say how long have you been doing oh. that See the first one. I think it did started ten years ago, probably on the first one. Dang! Right, and all that uh, when the market and all that stuff was really, really like tough. Cause wasn't it oh nine that the market just crashed? Yeah, we uh, yeah we should have been doing it then, but we didn't. I was actually I've been on such a journey with jobs, probably either at Lowe's the first time then, or um, doing electrical work. I'm not sure, but I've got. been to Lowe's two stints and then this recent time we were doing the houses it was still it got to where we was finding them pretty easy but then you know with Zillow and for sale by owner and Facebook and people wasn't listing them as much so the 
brokers and realtors and stuff were buying them up before they would even get listed for an option. So I got my real estate license too, so I could try to get on the ends of that, but then there just wasn't nothing really available. The prices got too high because nothing was available, so I went back to work because we didn't have any houses to remodel at the time. I can imagine being in a, uh, a smaller area too, not like, you know, not being near a big metro area could be a little tougher. Yeah, I got lucky. One house was my next door neighbor's house, so I got lucky. I just walked across the yard one house. <laughs> that was about how, the closest one. How far is Millington from you? Uh, I'd say probably an hour and a half, hour and 30, 45 minutes or so. Oh, it's way up there. I had orders to Millington when I actually got out. I was supposed to be serving some admiral over there. And I was like, ah, yeah, was, uh, I'm ready to come back home to Missouri. Yeah, I'm about two hours from Memphis, and then uh, about two and a half to Nashville. Right on. So about, about four from St. Louis, from where I live. Well, you're in the much better part of the duck hunting area, for sure. Oh, I'm 15 minutes from Mississippi River. Dude, that's crazy. 30 minutes from Realfoot, hour from Tennessee River. Then so, got, go ahead. And there's like little places, WMAs around here too, that you can draw on and stuff. And then some public land up in Kentucky on the river that you can go to. So I'm, and then I'm an hour from Missouri, or an hour and a half from Kennett, Missouri, uh, where all the rice fields and stuff are over there. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my best buddies. He uh, worked on the show with me. He's from Kennett, and now he lives out here. But that's where he's always trying to. Every time he goes home for Christmas to visit his parents, his uh his dad was a uh, state trooper out there, so he he's known everybody that lives out there forever. So before we get off into hunting, you said you you're working at Lowe's again. What has this Corona, you know, all this stuff done to your day to day? Has it made it a nightmare at work, or what's going on? It has gotten busier. Put it that way. It's. The people staying home is, you know, they hadn't, we just had to start wearing masks again and stuff now. But, you know, because people are getting out, but they never really stopped getting out. It, I mean, we were, where we live, of course, you know, we're an hour away from any other, you know, Lowe's, Home Depot or anything. is an hour away from us, from our store. So a lot of people gravitate there because it's really the only place that you can shop like that at. There's a few, you know, mom and pop stores, but. I mean, we're, I mean, it's been crazy. It's been people after people after people. We're having, to, you know, six foot social distancing signs, wear a mask, wash your hands about a thousand times a day, put up sneeze shields, and it's just crazy. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, I've been working really about the same as I ever did. My job didn't change too much. We had a little two week lull. Um, the girlfriend worked for the, uh, for the Nixa Public Schools, and they've been out for, I don't know, since spring break, Mar- second week of March, whatever. And uh, so she's at home all day, and I can tell you what, the honey-do list has gotten extremely long, and uh, <laughs> and she's yeah. just started a bunch of other projects. And it seems like Lowe's is an absolute hotbed because it was one of the few places that was you know able to be open. Everybody's at home all day long. So that honeydew list and all the projects, man, it just seems like that's like, it's become the new mall. Everybody was at going oh, yeah. and getting stuff. It's ridiculous. I, I've never seen anything like it, ever. I mean, it's, I mean, the first, 
we had a malt sale going on like the first couple of weeks that it was out and it was already out and we couldn't like pull it or nothing and it was there's no telling how many bags of mulch and pallets of mulch we went through that that week i mean it was ridiculous people just waiting in line for like an hour to us to load their mulch up and it's because everybody was working in the yard it was pretty then too it was like you know the first wave of the spring before it got cold again yeah well how much of this freaking i know over here in this side of the state we've gotten so much dang rain like everything is flooded out out here it rained about an hour ago it rained for a good two hours steady man today has been the first day we've had sunshine in probably seven days well, you send it all to me, and I appreciate it. No, right? Being that <laughs> that close to the river, how much do you guys catch on flooding and stuff like that? Well, the, of course, we got the levee down the Mississippi River. Right. But we catch, but we get all the water from, you know, up north coming down the river, and there's a, we got an upper bottom in Hickman that's, uh, it kind of catches a lot of flood water because it can get up and spread wide out of the river. So it really don't get into too many, uh, like, neighborhoods or nothing like that unless it comes really fast, really quick, and the creek or something gets out. Right. But as far as, like, main river, I mean, it, I believe the Mississippi River has been flooded for probably pretty much all spring, I think. Yeah. As far as our bottom. We can hope it doesn't freaking do what it did last year, man. Yeah. That was un- Unbelievable. So, I like it when it gets out there in December and January, but it don't seem to do it too often. Yeah, no, the the lakes never get <laughs> high around here in the in the freaking during season. We had one year, oh gosh, probably three or four years ago that um, we started finding. I don't know, we were eight feet above normal at the lake, and they you know they pump at the dam and stuff, and they just couldn't keep water out. And uh, Man, the water was so high up into the trees and stuff. There was so many flooded timber opportunities, uh, you know, where there, we just yeah. do not have that here. And uh, it was freaking sweet, man. <laughs> yeah, I love some timber. Yeah. So, speaking of that, you grew up in that area. What What was your hunting history like? Did you Did you grow up going with, you know, family member? Or when did you start hunting? Well, uh... I probably started going when I was seven or eight. Uh, my dad was good friends with a farmer, and uh, they had a nice place in the bottom up there in Hickman. Uh, and my dad hunted, you know, with this guy on the real foot, and actually had a blind on real foot at one time before I, you know, and my dad, before they could, uh, back when you could actually still, you know, sell them or whatever, before that, he sold it off. Back and before then, you could sell them? Yeah, it was, it was way back. You could actually, like, have a spot, and you could actually sell your spot, I believe. I thought you could still do that. Like, not well, publicly. Well, yeah, I know everybody still yeah. does that, though, don't they? Yeah, there's a few people that still lease them, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I try to get a few every now and then, but somebody always beats me to it, and they have to draw every year. You can draw a blind real quick, but... They hunted there, and then kind of when I was eight, nine, ten-ish, around twelve-ish area, my uh, they kind of quit going. So I started going with my uh, ex-brother-in-law at the time. We go up to Hickman and then hit a pit down the lower bottoms, and then uh, just kind of quit 
when I turned 16, you know how that is, that driver's license and... Girls and sports. Kind of got out of it. (laughs) Kind of got out of that. And then I started going back with my my dad's friend's uh, nephew. Started going with him up there in the same place. And then, uh, so I've been going pretty much the Mississippi River pretty much my entire life. That's wild. So you actually, you do a lot of hunting... I'm not as familiar with the map out there. So you're doing hunting on like the river, Mississippi River bottom, or are you like off of yeah. like creeks and stuff off of that? It's a creek off of it. Okay, like right on. But it's still the bottom. It's still the it's Mississippi still the, River. Let's still call it the upper bottoms. Yeah. Got you. Got you. So is that like? Um, is that hunting like? Um, I don't know. Does it flood up into fields or is it like a oh, hard yeah. bottom like creek type situation? I floods up in the fields and Got you. timber timber holes and do people flood it on purpose out there? Oh, uh, they they used to and they still do it occasionally. Uh, they can, but I mean we've had a river. Of course, everybody should thank me for selling my boat. I had a boat with a boat line on it. And the river never got out, and I sold it. And it's been out every year since. <laughs> it's usually the way it goes, man. Yeah, but it's uh, people flood it, you know, uh, out of the creeks and stuff to their holes and then when the river gets out they can trap it you know they close the culverts and stuff up yeah that area is so interesting it's just uh it's unlike anything you know because it's the mecca area freaking Mm -hmm. duck hunting in the world and just the amount of pressure and big businesses out there because i've i've talked about it in podcasts in in the past you know missouri is a huge huge duck hunting state Tennessee is a very, very big duck hunting state. Um, where I live at in Missouri would be the equivalent of living on the other side of the mountains in Tennessee. You know, it doesn't make yeah, any sense that it's not, there's no, probably not nearly as much pressure on that side, kind of like there isn't here. Like, if you meet a hunter out here, 90% chance he's a turkey hunter and a deer hunter. So to see all that pressure out there and how it's big business out there is just very strange to somebody on, you know, this part of the world. It's huge. I mean, it's during you know September, October, man. But instead of trailers that loads, it's, it's boats. They're getting lumber, treated lumber. I always order up on it, but I mean, it's it's crazy. The the drawings are outrageous. How many people go to them? You know, it's uh, it's wild. We had um up on Truman. Truman is like part of the lake. I would say 80% of the lake, you can do a draw for a blind for the year. And there's so much shoreline up there that uh, as long as you're 200 yards away from another blind, you can put a sign up and build a, you know, a blind, permanent blind up there. And I went and did that one time because my buddy had told me about it. And he's like, oh yeah, there was like 60 people there last year. You know, everybody obviously gets drawn in. There's so many miles. And, uh... I was like, cool. So I'll I'll try this thing out. Heck, why not? And uh, dude, I got up there and there were like 250 people that drew a blind. <laughs> and I think we ended up getting drawn at like 120. The first person in our group did, and it was so far away. We were driving two and a half hours away to go hunt a freaking lake. And I was like, you can't scout that. It's not convenient. And there's way more places around here to hunt that uh, we might not catch the biggest migration staying down here, but we're not going to drive two and a half hours and get skunked. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, it's good around here, too, but the past few years, I mean, the migration's changed a little bit, too, where they stay over toward, like, the Kennett side and down closer to the river. They cross the river lower than they do, you know, up here on the north side of Tennessee, like down around the Pagoda area or stuff like that. I've seen, you know, that's where my dad's friend has a place now, missed him. And it's it's crazy how many birds I, you see a day just flying down through there that you don't see. It used to be like that up here in the north corner, but it's just because right there, where they're at now is kind of where Dyersburg, Tennessee is, where you cross the river into Missouri. Mm-hmm. Like a big crossing down through there now, and it's, uh, it's I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, how things change. How much? Speaking of like last year with all that flooding and stuff, how much food did you see not get put in the ground last year? Well, I mean, there was a bunch. I mean, people didn't even get corn in the ground until late, even if that. Yeah, I know a lot of people were putting millet and stuff just because it's that shorter turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, course i hadn't the last two years i've been you know remodeling my house and i've been trying to spend time doing that and work and all that i hadn't had really time i've been twice because i kind of got burned out with everything all at once yeah i know it happens man it uh when fun stuff becomes you know you get all your buddies and stuff that go hunting and everybody kind of expects everybody to go <laughs> when it comes time mm-hmm. And uh, when it becomes a chore and just not fun, you just have to walk away for a little bit and find that passion again. Yeah, I lost my spot I had that was pretty easy. And we didn't kill, I bet I didn't kill two or three ducks a, a day if that. Some days I've been skunked, you know, a whole week at a time, but I still went just because it was convenient. I could go by myself. I, you know, <clears throat> when I lost that spot, that's kind of when I moved and kind of got fed up with the calls and just said you know i'm done with ducks for a little bit i'm gonna focus on other things for a little bit yeah yeah i can tell you you well as for right now you know the ducks will be there uh, you, you can come yeah. back to it who knows what it's going to look like 20 years from now but as for now you can always step away and come back mm-hmm. so, so I had to, go ahead yeah so like last year you know i was remodeling the house i moved in probably the year before yeah so i didn't even I bought my house, pretty much gutted it, and me and my dad, my father-in-law worked on it, and my brother-in-law a little bit, but I was mainly there. I worked uh, like 4 a.m. in the morning to 1 p.m., took a two-hour nap, got up at 3, went to work on the house to about 8 or 9, and did it every day, that whole first that duck season. So I was like, there wasn't no way I could go. But you're just burnt out. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if it comes down to sleep or going and sitting in the blind, you, a lot, all the hardcore guys are going to be like, oh, I'm going to go sit in the blind. But after you've done that for the 10th day in a row, you're like, I you know, I still have to have a life and yeah. got to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. We were living with our in-laws at the time. And I had pressure coming from everywhere to get it done. So <laughs> yeah, there we wasn't no screwing like, around. Yeah, wasn't no choice. Let's go. I'm going to the house. You can get along with the in-laws all you want. You start living with them for a while. It, uh, that clock starts ticking pretty fast. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> so it was more of my more more my wife ticking than mine. I, I didn't really mind it because I was like I said I was working, getting up before they even got out of bed to go to work, and I was coming home and taking a nap while they were still at work, and I was going to work on the house. Everybody was in bed, so I mean it didn't bother me too bad, but it kind of got to her there 
Well, yeah, you put a you put a grown adult and throw them back in with their parents after they've uh, been out of the house for a while. It uh, makes things real interesting. They start button heads. Moms and uh, daughters do that. Mom, really daughters, and both kids, and it's just just a a year that I'm glad it's over with now. <laughs> right. We're all back. We're all back to normal. So you got back into call making, uh, which I'm glad to see. Uh, I've pretty much followed you since the beginning. Because wh- when did you start turning calls? When was the uh, the beginning of it? October of 2015. I think I started about, July of 15 or August. Like it was like we started right week. at the same time. Yeah, about a well, I'd say October. It's probably September. It was really close to the first Riffwood that I went to. I think I entered my fifth, sixth, and seventh call I ever made by myself into the river competition. That's insanity, man. That the, <laughs> the stones it takes to do that. That was stupid, is what it was. But I, um, I you can say I it was stupid. I placed, but you can say it was stupid, but it was an eye opener. Yeah, <laughs> my wood one did decent, which it wasn't not decent, but it it didn't get last or anything, but. Uh, and I was shocked about that. Well, the competition that's there is, you know, ridiculous. Now it's even growing more and more because of call nuts and people coming. But it was just why why I went and entered my fifth, sixth, and seventh call, I have no idea. That's freaking hilarious. So you got started turning at the uh, middle to the end of 15. What what was the reason? What wh- When did it get into your head that, hey, I want to make a duck call? Did you grow up? Obviously, you grew up hunting. Did you do any competition calling or anything like that? Or was it just like, hey, I want to, I like woodworking. I like, I'm a pretty handy guy. I do all this remodeling. Why not? Well, my dad built stuff when he was younger, woodworking wise, but no, like he built cabinets and all that. So I kind of had an interest. I kind of knew my background and I, I knew I could do woodwork and build a uh, house, not build houses, but work on houses. And I was like, if I can tear a wall down and put it back together surely I can do this but what got me was I had a retail hunting store back in 07, 08, 09 something like that uh, and I met Brian Phillips and uh, Scott Simmons and Brian Byers Ronnie Turner I met them at Real Foot um, one year and I was down there with my store set up one year when they still had it down there that had the whole expo or whatever and uh, I was like one of the first I don't know I wouldn't say the first but I was probably one of the close first people that actually was one of John Kett's dealers like when he started out and uh, I sold Brian's calls in my store because I couldn't get the big name stores because I was just a little guy in the town you know uh, competition here but so I sold all that out and I just missed I miss the people, I miss the shows, like I miss going. And I said, well, the only way I know I can get back into it is instead of having this big retail store, I'll just, you know, do what they did. I mean, I know them all, I've talked to them all. And I actually bought a lathe when I had the store, then I sold it, I think to Travis Bone, maybe. And then I bought a new one. But I I just miss the camaraderie with people. And I miss the shows, I miss the outdoor industry, put it that way. And this is one way I knew I could get back into it without spending, you know, bunch and bunch of thousands, which I've had now because it's 
kind of like duck hunting. It's kind of like duck call making. You got all kinds of stuff. But I didn't have to carry a huge inventory and all that to be in that industry. So that's how I kind of got back into it. Nice. That's crazy, man. I didn't know you owned a little little store. How not to detract from duck call making? How did that like go through the background of that? Because that's really interesting. Just it's kind of like you know with the new stuff coming out, the acrylics competition was good. I thought, and uh, you know we have a big competitor here in town, and I I like the guys I shop out there. I just wanted to you know offer some stuff that maybe a better price or some small shop people that you know they weren't selling you know call makers calls they were selling the big name calls so i could get you know i sold brian's calls i sold john Kep's call i think i sold Fool's calls i think i sold just about everything they could didn't have like i sold dakota decoys when they first came out um just a lot of stuff that way and i just the name was foul mouth outfitters it was kind of catchy i wish i'd have kept the name just for that but you know i sold everything and and started took a little break and then got back into do it this way well the the concept of it is really cool because you know here in springfield we have the the biggest bass pro in the world and all that nonsense and then you got you know your normal academies and stuff like that but bass pro at least here in memphis it's different i've been out there and it's super cool the waterfowl selection in the granddaddy of them all bass pro is like one aisle long and you know they have all the big name calls they, they don't even carry a very they have like one little glass case and my buddy from kennett that's actually how i met him i was out in bass pro one night and i was just checking out some different calls and uh he was working the counter and then we started talking about duck hunting and uh that you know history is that but um the concept of that is super cool because all you're going to get out there are Bass Pro branded stuff, you know, some Avians, some GHGs. I don't even know if they carry them anymore because I never go. But, uh, like, you just – the waterfowling the, – the specialty for waterfowling, it just isn't there. Yet there's this big, gigantic store dedicated to fishing. There's a whole level for deer hunting and all this different stuff, and waterfowling just gets nothing. Yes, yeah, that's all mine was pretty much waterfowl. That was pretty much it. I mean, I had I had like boogie boards of some guy. I just found them on the internet one day. So that was pretty cool. You could float a mojo. That was back before the floater mojos came out. You put a regular mojo mount on this boogie board, and it would float in the backwater. That's cool, like I, man. I took the the decoy boss before it was mojos. It was a um, prototype. I took it over to Missouri with me to a show for the guy that made them just to try to help him promote it so i mean i wasn't like it wasn't i just try to help people that was small like me but of course like me i always try to do stuff and that's kind of why i do call making too like i try to do stuff to pay for my hobby right so like i love to duck hunt so i would try to sell enough duck hunting stuff to maybe buy the stuff i needed to go duck hunting or like the calls try to sell enough to maybe pay for your hunting so i don't have to take it out of the family money i would say you know exactly not to be so that way you could still do what you love and not be a burden on the family yes so and I, I love to play golf too so even the last three years i i've been regripping clubs to pay for you know my membership and stuff to play so when i regrip clubs i'll take that money and use it to play golf 
but that's another story. You know, I quit. I had like, before I took and got burned out, I had probably, I was flipping houses, had a real estate license. I have electrical license, so I was also doing electrical jobs. I was turning duck calls, and I was re-gripping golf clubs, and also had DJ equipment. <laughs> Dude. See, so I was like, the one man, do it all. Whatever you need, I could do it. The jack of all and trades, I, man. And that was just got burnout on all of it. And I just, you know, I got one job now. And now I can get back to the calls when I finish my house. But um, I just got to the point where, because I'm the type of person I can't hardly ever say no. So if somebody calls, like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I'll be right over. I mean, I even cooked turkeys for a guy last a couple of years ago, deep fried them for their Thanksgiving. I was like, "Well, I'm doing mine, you know. I'll just throw yours on there too." <laughs> and just see, can't say no. None of that stuff surprises me because that's that person. I find myself so the same way, man. Like trying to, I was trying to work a full time job. I was messing around with TV show, trying to, and it was too expensive for me to run the TV show. The first year, I paid mm-hmm. for an editor. And I paid the editor, you know, way more than I ever made. And I, I don't take anything, you know, personal from that. That's just kind of the thing. But the next year I did it, I was like, there's no way that I can afford to do it this way. And if I want to do it, I'm going to teach myself to edit. And that was right when I got into call making. So I was like working a full-time job, going out hunting, doing all the normal scouting that every other waterfowler does, and then going home and trying to edit and then trying to make some calls to help fund this whole thing <laughs> and it was like yeah, you just yes. get spread so thin you get burnt out yep that's that's crazy i mean both like so when i quit doing the calls i mean i i left pages i didn't follow the pages or i wouldn't even get notifications from them i mean i was i was done with it i didn't want to see a duck call for like two years all well, my you, stuff was in the storage unit i mean i didn't have calls in the house i mean i was done well, and that's like, if you look at mine, I'll get messages. I actually have, you know, my other Facebook account that I created when I stepped away from everything to go from, you know, the 4,000 people that, you know, you're friends with and in all these hundreds of groups over the years trying to advertise and all that stuff. And I, I made a whole new Facebook and got it down to like the 80 people that I talked to all the dang time and then started slowly trickling back into this other side. So... You know, mainly through the podcast and sell calls. I don't really care if I, I'm not that guy that pushes calls or anything like that. I, it doesn't matter to me if I sell another one. The only thing that matters is that way I can have more money for material to make a new one. But uh, yeah, that's how just being out so of that's it. That's how I got it got it wrong the first time. You know, I was all about trying to be. Of course, Brad said it too. Of course, I got to follow him, so I appreciate that. But uh, he uh, said it the other night how. You know, you're just starting and try to compare yourself to, like, him and Brian and John. So when I started, like, I was talking to Brad and Brian and all them all the time. So I instantly wanted to compare myself to them. But I haven't, you know, he was at six, 700 calls at that time. And I barely even scratched 25 or 30, you know. So it's this time around, I'm I've taken the information that I should listen to the first time from like Ronnie and all them, that's kind of, of course, if you ever bring my name changed, going from hooligan back to my name is Porter, because Ronnie told me when I first started, I was looking for a name, when he was like, just use your name, you know, that's something that'll never change, if you put your name on it, you're proud of it, you know, stuff like that, 
of course, I went to the trying to make a brand out of it instead of trying to make something I was really, you know, proud of. I was trying to make a brand and to get in stores and, you know, really quick when I should have done it the other way first. Well, and I think that um, I talked to maybe Tyler Hall about it. But um, you look at all the guys from the THO guy, you know, days, you know, people like you're talking about, Samples and Ronnie and, you know, Byers and just different guys like that, Stelsner. And you have all those THO guys that they started, most of them mid-2000s, like 2005, 2010, that range. A lot of those guys were super active. And if you ask most of them when they started, I think Samples uh, the other day said he started his first call in like 07, 08. And um, the, all those guys started back then. And then you have that group of guys that once DCE and Call Nuts came about back in 14, 15, you have a, a, a group of call makers that all started right then. You know, like the Tyler Halls, the Merediths, you, me. Um, there's just endless, endless numbers of guys. But there's, those, every, there's a bunch of guys that started in like 14 to 15 and now you have new guys that are starting every year. But that little layover, where I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that were turning 11, 12, 13, but it just seems like there's little groups and pockets of guys that it's almost like classes, if that makes yeah, sense. Well, class of, class of 15. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, I'm pretty sure Meredith started, or um, yeah, I think Mig started 14. I think Shelly started 14, 15. I, I feel like it's like a class. Mm-hmm. Because you look at those guys who have done stuff with you, and I don't know. I feel like that's one of the reasons that we interacted so much is because we started right around the same time, and you just you follow those guys that you're like, hey, I started right around this guy. What you know, just a measuring stick, but not in a competitive way. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I follow all those guys because I mean, we all came in at the same time. But you know, seeing Will's progression too, and you know, I, you know, from where he started to where he's at now, just keeps getting better and better. And uh, and then yours, you know, you took the break and came right back swinging. I'm back to the. I, I bought two flat jigs a couple weeks ago. I know you got the three three five and the three five, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, sir. I got both. I got one. I said I got one on the three five zero right now, but um, and I had the my other jig. My problem is I always change something every time. I, like when I was doing it before, I was didn't even use a mic. I just kind of use a tape measure. And then Ooh. I was in such a hurry. Yeah, I know. So I was <laughs> in such a hurry. And I don't know why I was that way because I'm very particular with everything else I do. Right. Right. If a two by four is crooked, I take it out. Well, I, I saw you doing that picture. tile work. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm very tedious with everything. So I don't know why it didn't transfer to the calls until now. But it's probably because I was doing. You know, there was a burden to me to do the calls back then because I was doing so much other stuff. It, like, took away from, you know, I didn't want to, uh, I need to be doing something else. I don't need to be turning the call right now. I need to go, you know, work on this house, or I need to go, you know, inside or do something with the kids, or I need to go, you know, to a ball game or something. It's just, there was so much stuff competing for my time that I really didn't. You were, you know, you were just trying it, to speed it along. Yeah, I was just trying to find the, fastest way to get through it and now after taking the break and you know, I've watched from afar watched from behind the scenes of people progress and kind of learn how they do it I still talk to Brad all the time and I well, don't bug him too much that's why I had you go right after him 
you know, luckily the timing and everything just worked out because I know that you guys, he worked with you a lot back in the day and obviously he still does, but I know he was kind of like a mentor to you. Oh yeah, he was my biggest critic. When I thought I had something nice, I'd send it to Brad, be proud, and then I'd get a message with it zoomed in. It's like, what about them lines? I'm like, dang it. <laughs> why, don't you zoom, why don't you zoom, bro? But I mean, he wasn't doing it as, hey, I got you. He was doing it as, I know you can do better. Here's my, you know, experience. And I was telling him a funny story. Uh, back when, you know, calling us first started and everything, he posted a uh, ivory call with black tips or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I really want that. But, you know, I don't have, I said, uh, you know, the funds. I mean, it just ain't there right now. I think I may have gotten laid off or something from my other job. But he said, I'll tell you what, if it's not sold by the end of the day I'll send it to you so he sent me that call nobody bought it Good. can you imagine a Brad sample I know that's <laughs> that's what I would talk to him about I'm sure you listen to it I said it uh, me and Meredith were talking about it and Meredith told me uh, today or yesterday that, that him and Ostevic keep a count of how many times they're mentioned in each podcast so they both just got their mention <laughs> right here in this one so I know they're waiting yep. for it but uh, me and Meredith were talking uh, a couple years ago and talking about all the different flippers and whose calls are going for what and all this stuff and I told him I was like could you imagine if Brad ever closed his books or you know, he ever had a slower turnaround time than what he does now. And this was back in 16, 17. And I was like, his calls would sell for 500 bucks in the first minute. And, uh, dude, it's crazy. That's how it is now. You, I freaking log on to call nuts because I'm waiting to grab another one, you know, while I'm waiting for him to put me on the books. And, uh, you see somebody throw one up on a waffle. It's like 26 spots for $18. I don't know, something crazy like $400. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy them all. Then I go click on it a minute and a half later, and it's already filled up. Cool, yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's as humble as it comes, too. I mean, you can, of course, you asked him several times on the podcast. He was like, nah, that ain't me, you know. But, I mean, he'll, he'll if you ask him a question, you know, somebody that's had that much success in the call making, you know, he's a very fast response to answer it and help you out. So that's what – and I really don't even know how the first time – I think I sent him a message about something. First time we ever spoke. I didn't meet him until probably six, seven months after we talked on Facebook for, you know, that long. I didn't even know him until the first year at Realfoot. He came down and I met him there. But uh, ever since then, I mean, I could call him what – of course, I was messing with him the other day. He hit the button on me because I was trying to interrupt his uh, post about trying to sell a call <laughs> so I could win it. But he hit the button on me. So I call you right back. I said, no, nah, I'm just messing with you because I'm trying to, trying to mess up your post so I could win it. Right. But, but that tell you how bad I was at a call making for a while, how I left. So you know how call us used to do like the call maker trade? Mm-hmm. Which I wish they'd bring that back. I know, the but Wood yeah. Wednesday or whatever it was too and yeah. the call maker trades. Where we traded whoever above your name or something, you sent them a call. Yeah. Uh, well, I got one of Eric's Osovich's, and uh, so I was out for a while. But and then me and him traded separately later. But the call I got during that one, I just got up online one day and sold it. I think I posted it for like eighty bucks because I didn't. I mean, I was out of the game. You know, I didn't know. Well, the guy was like, "Why'd you sell it that cheap?" Not Eric, but somebody else. I was like, "What are you talking about?" 
I ain't got a clue. So that call would have been $300 easy. <laughs> I'm like, well, I wasn't, you know, I got it basically for free during the trade, so I wasn't going to try to, you know, make any money off of it. There's that like, man, you're stupid. I'm like, well, it is what it is, you know. Right, right. Well, and that's like I told Brad on the podcast the other day, the one that I had him make me. I, uh, you know, life got tough and got hard and I got in a bind and had to keep electricity on. So I was like, I need to sell this call and um, ended up selling it for, I think, $10 more than what I paid for it from Brad. You know, the equal, the offset of shipping was pretty much it. And I tracked it down here last year and the dude wanted 600 bucks for it. <laughs> I was like, yes. yeah, no, that's crazy, man. I'll never pay that yeah. for a call. Well, I think, you know, a lot of us that, you know, bought them and did it before. And I mean, we're not trying to make the money, you know, where, you know, if you get lucky enough to buy one or win one, well, you're trying to waffle it or make money off of it. Yeah. That's a whole different freaking game too. And that, uh, whole call flipper guys that are making livings off of just flipping calls. And, you know, I guess that's like flipping houses or anything else. Arbitrage. I don't have anything against it. It's like, Ah, it, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I think everybody does. Yeah. Now, I used to do some back when, before I started making them, I'd buy some and sell them, but it wasn't, it wasn't custom things. It was like buy an R&T or an Echo off eBay for 50, 60 bucks, put it on my lathe and polish it and repaint fill it and sell it for 80. Oh, yeah. That's... You know, it wasn't... That's not that it wasn't crazy. no custom order one for 200 and sell it for six. Yeah, you get into some of those full scrolls and all that, stickers, and, you know, there's hundreds and thousands of those out there. That's a completely different thing to me. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what me and Matt Croom did it to flip a little bit when we both worked Tennessee Tractor, but, you know, we find them cheap, or somebody wanting to post one to sell it or something, and then we buy it, clean it up, and resell it, but, you know, I didn't, we didn't have anyone, you know, but as Rooster told me, he said, I don't care what they do with it after they buy it because you know what? They're going to buy another one. Exactly. So. It, and that's kind of what I was... Uh, God, I don't... There's so many of these. I talked to so many different people in such a short amount of time that I can never remember exactly who did it until I go back and like listen. But um, just having... It's almost beneficial to have guys out there trying to flip your calls. It does nothing but help. Because then yeah, it's like I mean, everybody else is like, oh, heck, man, they're desirable. I couldn't get on this one, yeah. but let me get on your books. Yeah, they're going to promote it, and then they're going to buy another one and do the same thing, and they're going to put it on um, social media, and they're going to blow it. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's what he kind of said. He goes, I don't care how I many they buy. I can sell it tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> right. I'll order another one. So, you know, it's just, uh, I guess, part of it now. So... How are you liking that uh, that three five? I know you sent me a picture the other day of a big old box of heads that you just got in. Have you have you had time to mess with it yet, or are you still working on the house too much? No, I've got a I rough turned one the other day and drilled it, and it's sitting on the flat jig right now. I hadn't cut it yet. Is that the plans for after uh, after this phone call? Well, actually, I was gonna do one that I have on my or jig that I you know I've had. I've got one more thing I want to try before I completely write it off. Off, uh, right off your old jig. Yeah, I've got, I've got 
two calls, kind of, kind of like Mary was saying the other day, you know, the same jig, cut it different lengthwise and all that, mm-hmm. barrel length. So I've got one that's kind of real loud, I've got a three-inch barrel, and then that other barrel I posted with my new bands. Mm-hmm. I tried the same, but it didn't sound right because of the shorter barrel. So I've got another bore, and lengthwise I'm going to try in it. But it's just weird how things work. I'm, you know, I made that for the uh, call for the tribute call. Mm-hmm. The insert I made for that, I tried something new, which is, for some reason, I always try something new every time I make one, which is stupid. <laughs> but uh, I tried something new in that one. And I put it in that shorter barrel, and it sounded really good. So I'm going to try to make it the shape I like in that same uh, tone board before I start peddling with the flat jigs. Well, yeah, and that's the flat jigs are such a great, great learning tool. And you know me, man. That's how I, I still have done all my calls. I haven't blown Channing up on any of the last couple of podcasts, but I'm just going to have to go and turn down some 5.8s myself and try to hope that they're perfect so I can send them off to Wade. But uh, <laughs> they, you can do that flat jig, but you're not going to get that same shape every single time. Like People are like, oh, you try to be consistent on the flat. You, there's no way to be consistent on the flat jig. You can get it close, but it's there's just no way there's too many errors you can have the same drill depth and same backboard pressure same links and that's what i shoot for and then i tune a lot of it by ear they'll come out similar similar shape wise but uh you you have to do most of it by ear so by getting yourself a jig and having something that you like and getting that jig set up it allows you to make different changes in the back pressure different changes in your links and stuff like that while still keeping a consistent tone board. So you're like, hey, I know I like this tone board at this size with this back pressure, this drill depth. Um, now I can start playing with it and making it better by adjusting, you know, taking it that .01 off of the the uh, mic or uh, making it a little bit longer, making the barrel a little bit shorter if it runs a little bit better. And I think that's just as important as the flat jig. Oh, yes, I've got like three or four barrels laying around here that I've got like one three inch one's two and 2.68 something one's 2.74 or something it's just uh, when I make one I put it in it to see which one sounds the best in it and then I try to stick with that on this time around yeah and that's, to, and that's it's tough man I hadn't any po- yeah I hadn't any post any for sale because I'm trying to find you know the best the best combination before I'm like hey you want this one well, how long was it that uh, Mig made his, what was it, 19, 21, where he just released a new barrel size for it this year? I think he'd had it two or three years, and now he finally found a barrel size that he liked a lot more off of it. Well, yeah, that's, uh, like I said, the call I sent to NWTF this year, the acrylic call, I thought it sounded good. Uh, but when I, I bought it back because I knew it had the good bones, you know, in it. Mm-hmm. Like it had the, but I needed to work on it more, so I brought it back. I bored it out uh, bigger, and I and then I so the other day I was messing around. I had a three inch barrel laying around. I was like, "Man, eh, just see what it does." I put that three inch barrel on there. I was like, "Man, this is a whole different duck call." I mean, it's it's crazy how much difference it makes. Of course, playing around with it, you're like, "I just make these barrels the same length and try to get the same stuff," but. I just had that barrel laying around. That one I posted the other day about 
uh, like a little classic call with a band on it, mm-hmm. the classic look. I took that barrel and put my NWTF insert in it. And it was like, man, I wish I'd have sent this one there. Show them what I did. Yeah, yeah, you might have a winner there doing it that way. Yeah, well, my biggest NWTF problem is I finish it an hour before I have to take it. <laughs> That's <laughs> so always the way it goes. My best product is just keep it in my pocket and don't go when I do that. See, what I did is I was planning on entering three African Blackwing calls. Just three. That was my goal. I was like, I've never even entered it. I've been messing around with this so long. This will just be, you know, for funsies. And uh, I ended up having three different orders come in in the same two-week span that I was going to be working on my NWF call, NWTF calls. I could not get an order of Blackwood in again beforehand. And I was like, I'm taking money in the bank right now. And I ended up selling oh, yeah. them before I ever turned them in. Mm-hmm. That's what I should have done because one broke on me. And I tried to make one that night. And I should have not even. I should have just kept it kept it in my pocket and never even entered it. I think that did more damage or does more damage trying to rush something than trying to. Yeah, but it's it's a double-edged sword because if you're like me and you never enter the thing, you never get the 30 different people running it to give you feedback, especially yeah. knowing as many people as you do through there that, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good judges out there that will hit you up and give you feedback on stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah, well, of course. You know, I'll blow really – take me a lot of air. I blow really hard in a call, so – when I tune it, I tune it to me, you know, and I don't, it's not real light. Of course, you know, everybody blows a call differently. So, I mean, just, well, the way I call it don't mean somebody else blows just like me. And see, that's so, such a common problem that I hear in, um, for myself and from other call makers is that we, we do this all the time and we're constantly tuning calls, playing around with calls. So the way that you call, your diaphragm gets stronger. You start punching more air, start taking more air, and you start tuning it to be set up just the way that you like it. And uh, you'll get that message back, hey, this thing runs a little bit stiff. So I can't, I think it was Colton Thompson maybe, some somebody was like, they try to tune it just one, you know, just a little bit back to run a little bit lighter than they like. And that usually has been uh, a winner for them. Yeah, cause I, like one of my favorite things to do is is the Main Street high ball. I even do it in duck lines, and I've seen it work in duck lines, which is crazy. But I love putting that much air through a call and letting it ring like that. But I know not everybody can do that. So you know, I blow it. It's a little stiff because I put a lot of air through it doing that. But you know, a lot of people can't get that note, and so I've got to draw it back a little bit on my get a happy medium that can fit a lot more people than just myself right and that's the constant just tinkering that you have to do so much and even guys you know like brad and they're always trying to do different stuff to keep evolving their calls whether it be carving checkering i think freaking buyers has made more cradles sold more cradles in the last two months than probably ever in his life but uh guys are just yeah, did you? Yeah, I got one. Have you messed with it yet? No, because I can't afford all the tools yet, but I'm there on. <laughs> I got the cradle. It's in the Amazon said, wish list right now? Yeah, I said, while you got them, uh, let me have one. I'll go ahead and 
PayPal you. I said, I won't have the tools for a little bit, but I was like, I, I see everybody doing it, man. I just love the way it looks. It's the classic, classic call, you know, a lot of metal read calls, roofless style calls. A lot of them are checkered, and it just hits home to me because I'm literally 30 minutes away from real foot and all the history. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, like you just said, you're in the middle of that history hub of, you know, you got guys from Stuttgart and J-Frames, and they've been making calls out there for 100 years, and then you got the real foot guys that have been making calls forever, and then, you know, I was talking to um, Derek Jackson, his family being tied in with Olt, and it's it's really cool. Like, I love that the old school look is coming back. That's why I really liked that old Scott, old style call that you'd been putting out or, or been working on because it's just the, the tie back to history. I The less engravings on a call, the better to me. Like, <laughs> I, I played around and engraved calls for a year and threw, you know, my logo up there. And even my logo, my old one was a like a UC and then it said unstable, like inside the the UC, like across it, and it was a more modern look. And I was driving around, and I'd been wanting to change it because I really love the RNT Flying Duck stickers. You know, the, that they're old school. I don't even know what years they were putting those on the short barrels, but uh, I really love that look. And I drove by one day, and I saw a Hampton Inn with that shape. And I was like, well, there you go. Throw a duck on there, put unstable, put it there. And it's really funny now because Brad came out with his logo. He came out with it two or three years ago. And it was like right around the same time I came out with mine. And it's almost like it's super, super similar. And I was like, yep, see, I'm not the only one. That classic look. Yes, I have the same, probably pretty close to the same oval, but I don't have a duck in it. I just got my name in it. Not the oval, but the like the shape of it like the old pattern i think yours hold on let me pull up real quick make sure i don't lose this on the call i think yours is ex- really really similar too yeah and it's i like, like the it. old hat patch yeah 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 it it yeah. like i said i was just driving by uh a uh hampton inn and i was like i really like that shape and went home and you know had lucky enough to have somebody make it for me and boom man i'm yes, that's my my biggest problem too. I have Corel Draw on my computer, so it's it's like, hey, I'm just gonna pedal real quick. I had um a really good one. I was using for uh, editing. I was using the Adobe Suite, mm-hmm. and back when I was in school, I was using Adobe, and you could actually buy the license for Adobe, yeah. and you know you'd own that thing forever. And uh, then they went to the yeah, your shape is almost identical. I like it. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't even pay attention to it. No, 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 that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> Dude, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I love that. It's The inside of it's completely different. But, um, no, I had uh, the Adobe Suite, and then they started going to that where you have to pay $14 a month per program that you wanted to use. And I was so in-depth with Premiere Pro. That was my system that I used. I knew it. I knew all the shortcuts. It would cost me more to go back and relearn a new system. So I stuck so with I bought, it. Yeah, I bought Corel Draw when you could buy it. Exactly. You know, at one time, and then now I pay for. So I've got a Canon camera too. Yes, sir. That's went, a smart man. I, I went, like it. I went to uh, Campbell Cameras there in Illinois. I went to their videography school one that when they used to do their week long trainings. Mm-hmm. And then they had the 
So I, I still like the video, but I, I like to steal photos too. When I bought real estate, when I did real estate, for my license, I bought a nice camera, and I just bought Lightroom, and I had the monthly subscription for that. But uh, yeah, I got CorelDRAW and Lightroom, but I don't have you know, the video editing stuff anymore. Well, what I ended up finding um, to do, like, instead of Photoshop and um, CorelDRAW and uh, Illustrator, is there's a program called Affinity. And it's through um, Apple. I don't know who the heck they make it, but they do. It was fifty dollars to buy it one time, and they constantly are doing updates on it. And there's all sorts of like forums and stuff. And it's to me, it's just as good as Illustrator. And I've been using that for I don't know, probably five years, and they're constantly updating it. And dude, that was. I, I wish they would have done it for Premiere Pro and been similar to Premiere, but I loved it. And I'm a big Canon guy too. I uh, I went from I had a Sony video camera, and then I was running. Um, you know, it was an NX70U. It was had water resistant, big shotgun mic, all that type of stuff. And that's what I was using for waterfowl. And then like B-roll type stuff, I was using um, a T3i. That shows you how long ago it was. I had two T3i's I was using, and I sold all of that and got two. Um, not T6s, two 6Ds. And that was right about when I got out of it completely, but I was trying to film waterfowl with 6Ds is just a nightmare. <laughs> I have, I have the, the original GoPro that come out. I had that bad boy. That's how long ago it was when I did it. Yes, I had a... We had a couple of GoPros that we ran, and we actually had one of our episodes where one of the guys was wearing a GoPro on his head, and somebody was like, you need to update your GoPro. I think I had a GoPro 2, and they had just come out with a 4, some nonsense. Like, dude, yeah. you need to update your GoPros. And I was like, I would never use them. Yeah, I was, that first one, like, can we watch the video? I was like, well, I gotta go home, plug it up on the computer, upload it, then we can watch it. Yeah, right? <laughs> so it was a... Uh... I bought the package deal and I left up there. I was like, I just brought all this together. And of course, around here, people do it now, but back when I was trying to do it, nobody really cared nothing about filming nothing around this area because they didn't want nobody to see where they hunted at and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And see, that's another thing. You know, you got guys like us that got into call making. There's so many waterfowlers out there with Instagram and all that nonsense. Everybody is trying to be right now the next Joe Heinz with freaking Snapchat. I don't know if you follow him on Snap, but that dude's a clown, and he's so funny on there. But everybody is trying to – filming was the big thing for a couple of years. Everybody got into filming. Yep. And uh, we had a chance for two years to go on pursuit, but it was back when I was in the middle of being burnt out. And I was like, I, I don't want to sign on for another season of this. Because there's no money in it. There, I'm putting in way too much work to spend money. And uh, it's making hunting not fun. And that's why I got out of it. But I thought, I've, t I've kicked around the idea of doing like some more 10-minute YouTube videos. Instead of doing 13 episodes. Yeah. yeah, 13 full episodes and worrying about sponsors and having everything done right. And that's why I really like the podcast is I don't have to answer to anybody. I do whatever I want. And if I want to say fuck on here, I can just say fuck. And uh, like we were doing our TV show and I have one of my, my best buddies and his name is David. And I actually got a phone call one day from the head of our local station that we were on. And 
they were like, I, I heard about an incident that happened that you need to tell me what's going on. And I was like, what are you talking about? And apparently he had called somebody a derogatory name on Facebook. And they had called the freaking station within an hour. And I knew about it. And they were talking about canceling my show in the middle of it. And I was like, I didn't even know anything that happened. And I was like, this is just too much, too much drama, man. Like, it's not worth it. No, it's not. Like you said, I'd rather do something. Take some pictures, post them on social media, make a little 10-minute YouTube clips or something, using products or something, showing stuff. Is But all I'd ever do with it again. Well, and that's a, you know, the whole thing of video is the attention span, man. If I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see a video on there and I start to watch it and it's longer than 10 to 15 seconds before you know it's getting to what getting to the point i'm like all right on to the next thing <laughs> yeah it's got to be quick yeah yeah it's got to grab you so trying to do a five minute ten minute episode just doesn't have any interest whereas a medium like this people listen to it while they drive people listen to it while yeah. they're in the shop while they're doing different things i know that's when i do it and uh i don't know it's just it's like radio, but you have the option to hit pause. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's what my daughter said. What's a podcast? I was like, the thing I listen to every morning while I'm getting ready and while we're driving to, you know, my grandmother or your grandmother's house for babysitting. We listen to podcasts every morning. You're like, oh, okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll make sure we stay off the. Uh, you'll have to remember that was around sixty minutes where I dropped the f word then, because oh, yeah, <laughs> I've tried not to do that as bad. He said duck, honey. He said duck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had an episode where it was me and Channing, and we were doing the Quarantine Chronicles. And uh, we were talking about Tiger King, and it was towards this time of the night, and I'd had a few too many uh, Coors Lattes, and uh, I think he had too, and I dropped, you know, more than I would like to. So I've tried to clean up the language on the last one. Mm-hmm. You know, sailor, it hey, happened. No worries. No worries. <laughs> well... Let's get back into call making. We've been going about an hour, so that way you can get you off here and get you ready for tomorrow morning. Um, what's what's the plans? When are you gonna get back into the like? You got to finish up the house and work on this thing, or yeah, I, I need me a call. My, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I finished up my master bathroom. I've got I finished tiling the shower today. Gonna grout it sometime during the week. Putting floor down, all that stuff, and be done with it. I haven't worked on it for a year and a half, so it's about time to get finished with it. And then when I get time, I come over here and pedal with it, just still doing product and development stuff and seeing, um, you know, what I like the best and what people may like the best. And then once that's over with, then I'll crank it up over here in my in-law shop because uh, my, my shops don't have any power in them. And, of course, I know somebody that can put them in there, but I'm just ready to take another break from working on stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. So I figure I should close on my house around the middle of June, and then I figure I'm going to try to do something maybe for July 4th, a giveaway to try to crank back up. And then after that, it'll be, be open, ready to go. Sounds good, brother. Well, I appreciate you giving me some of your time tonight, man. I know it's Sunday, and... The week is getting ready to fire back up, and you got stuff to do. And uh, like I said, I appreciate you giving me some time. Oh man, I enjoyed it. Got something to do besides watching TV. Right, right. Well, when you get fired back up and you start rolling, we'll do another one to, you know, after a month or two and see, see what it's like. Making sure you're still loving it. 
Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm taking a whole different perspective this time on it. So, I've, like I said, I've sat back and watched from, from afar and kind of took things in and taken it differently. Like you said, you know, you don't care if you sell another one. That's kind of where I'm at. If somebody wants it, they'll get it. If somebody don't, I'll give it away or to a buddy or sell it one day so as long as you get a blank in the mail or a box of blanks in the mail i know you do you have a bunch of blanks as long as you're excited to throw it on the wave then you're doing good oh yeah i'm i'm back pumped again like i want to be over here in it again yeah you see oh. especially on these uh weekends where all the call makers are going see somebody throw up a new one you're like that thing is so cool i want to get up oh, i'm going to go find me a blank that looks similar and i want to try this sucker out even if it stays on my own shelf yeah, like I said, I bought me uh, some of that Europlaz of the day because everybody else was in it. So I was like, I'm going to try that out. And then uh, got me one of them fancy tools coming. Yeah, the that, new, um, that new uh, O-ring tool. Yeah, that was, I was never really consistent with that because I never did it enough to know where to stop. Sometimes I go too deep, sometimes I went deep enough. And then had to, so I was like, you know what? This is going to speed my process up. <laughs> I've had a I'm few O-rings. Off. I've had a few O-rings that might have some fishing string underneath it. I've had a couple where I had to put two in there. <laughs> I had to put one above the other one, like, but, but below it so it would catch that one, not the other one. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to get something where I can be consistent. <laughs> right. And then I'll try to get samples to quit sending me pictures of my line. So I've been working on that part of it. Well, I'm excited to see what you come up with, brother. I'm glad that you're back into it and... When I remember when I, I started getting that itch to get back into it, I you were one of the guys that I tried to find first, and I was like, man, he hasn't posted anything in forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how we both started at the same time and both took a break at the same time. It's weird. Uh, I think that so many guys, are, uh, they go through this same thing, where they just go through spells or where they're, where they're done. You know, I talked to to mig a while back and he was he said he was really struggling for a while because he gotten just so burnt out and it it wasn't becoming fun it was becoming a job yep yep that's when i when it was coming too much of a hassle to be out here with all everything else going on that's when i said i can't and i said when i put it in storage and moved i said i'm forgetting about it for a while that's the way to do it brother and i did so when i came back you know i feel like i'm got more creative juices i got me some new bands that nobody else has kind of being trying to be different so this time around (laughs) well as long as you don't get a get that rush feeling again no not like i said i'm taking it different this time so of course it ain't really started back up yet but like i said i feel like uh this time around i'm looking at it different differently and taking my time being peculiar and listening to people that I didn't before just you know so I feel like this time I'm I'm here to stay third time's a charm anyways isn't it <laughs> right well that's beautiful brother if guys want to reach out to you get on any kind of list where can they where can they check it out at or if you even want to put that out there oh I got it on Facebook my they can uh, my Facebook page Porter Game Calls I got Instagram um my personal page it don't matter they can just reach me up but uh like i've got i've got some people waiting now but i've you know, I've been honest with them up front like hey i'm still working on my house i'm trying to get some dialed in before i just start cranking back out They're, they've been understanding with it so they said we'll wait so hey people want you know i i would rather wait 
and get something that you're you're in love to do rather than force you to do something you're not ready to do yet. Mm-hmm. That's what I told a guy. You know, I got. I don't want to say it because I got a you know a discontinued color here in my my shop that I didn't even know discontinued because I was out for so long. <laughs> uh, but I told him I said I'm gonna wait till I get you know back before I get you one because I want it to be something you hang on to forever. Because it's got it's got my name on it now. See, before I had a different name on it, but now it's got my last name on it. So I want to make sure it's something I'm proud of before you get it. And he said I completely understand. I'll wait patiently. So that's awesome, man. All right, brother. Well, uh, I'll let you get off here. And like I said, we'll do this one again in a, cu- in a couple months and, you know, see how it's doing and make sure you keep sending me pictures. Oh, man, I'll do it. Let me know uh, if you run into any problems with that flat jig. That 3.5 is a little different. Uh, I'm still playing with it every day. Just like you, I'm always tweaking, making differences. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I got one in there. I'll send you a picture of it. It's a pretty piece of Coca Cola. I'm afraid to do it. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta do it at some point. <laughs> I know it. You gotta mess it up sometime. I got a pile somewhere. Right. I'll, I'll screw up. So I got a lot more that should be in that pile that ain't in it. But live and you learn. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Well, you have a great night. Hey, man. You too. Thanks, have a good buddy. Night. Thank you. All right, guys, that was Jace Porter out of Porter Game Calls. Um, we've been doing it about the same time, man. I, I've always been a fan of his work. We, uh, I don't know, it was just something kind of followed from a distance, and we always are chatting back and forth and exchanging ideas. So it'll be fun to see him get back going again. I'm really happy to start seeing some of his come out. So uh, you guys make sure you check it out and give him a try and blow up his phone. Not too much so he doesn't get overwhelmed, but... Uh, that's half the fun. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you get into the uh, duck call giveaway. It was a Buckeye Burl in African Blackwood. I don't know why I spaced on it. It's been a long day. But uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a good one.